Good morning, good evening, good night, whenever you're listening to this. This is the Victory Podcast, and I'm your host, Monique Watson. On this episode, I sat down with Caitlin Guerin, who is a pastry chef, and we talked a bit about how she got into that world, coming from the world of professional dance, and a bit about what it's like being a woman, especially an African-American woman in that space. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Victory Podcast. I'm your host, Monique Watson, and I have the lovely uh, privilege to sit down with one of a friend that I've had for a long, long time, most of her life, um, <laughs> my friend, Caitlin Guerin. Uh, Caitlin, how are you doing? I'm doing really well. Thanks for I, having me. Yeah, absolutely. I have to hold back myself from calling you Kate because that's just, <laughs> it's like even saying your actual like real name is like, but that's just Kate Lee. Like, uh, <laughs> I, I was, my ears were ready to hear Kate Lee. So, I, that I, girl, I was like, let me at least get out your actual name before we slip into all the nicknames. Um, <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for, for being on this podcast episode. Yeah. I'm super excited. Thank you. Thanks. Awesome. <laughs> We're doing excited dances, which goes over well on audio podcasts. Yeah. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe for the folks who aren't like your mom and my mom listening to this, maybe you can tell a few of them a bit about yourself and uh, maybe a little bit about how we know each other. Yeah, uh, I I think we should start off about how we know each other, um, because that stems further than uh, maybe about myself necessarily, because I've known you for, like you said, most of my life. Uh, <laughs> um, so we met, uh, wow, like 20 plus years ago, um, when your family moved into the neighborhood that my family lived in. Oh my God. That <laughs> is like, no, I'm thinking about it. It's like almost exactly 20 years ago because I think it, yeah, I think it was I think right before school started, I think, or maybe, maybe Thanksgiving. I can't remember which, but of, t- of like 2000. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I remember the fir- the first uh, real memory I have is of uh, me and Nicole on the Halloween hayride in our neighborhood. So, so Monique has a little sister, Nicole, um, who is also living her best life right now and doing amazing things. Um, mm-hmm. And Nicole and I befriended each other, but our both of our parents, our moms, are really good friends, and that's how we uh, got to know each other. And Nicole was a couple of year, is a couple of years older than me. Uh, and at the time, of course, you know, I was young and that was super cool to have an older friend, especially in my neighborhood. So I was always at your guys' house uh, during the summertime in your pool, <laughs> hanging out. <For> sure. <laughs> yeah, uh, many, many years spent um, with your family and vice versa, years with our family. Um, and we have that beautiful close connection of our family relationship uh that yeah that has been over 20 years um and now and and then so I was living in Bay Area as well and then Monique you moved uh your husband moved about four years ago four years ago now yeah yeah um and then we finally met up like two years ago (laughs) (laughs) I know life if anyone's familiar with the Bay Area, to be fair, like 
where she was living and where I was living, Oakland versus like San Jose are not close to each other. So it's not like it's a hop, skip and jump. Plus traffic is its own bear. So. I mean, I had no excuse. I was with my boyfriend and his family lives in San Jose. So we uh, would always go over there, but we finally met up in Oakland and that was really fun. Um, And then, yeah, here we are now and back in different cities. Um, but I, to introduce myself, my name is Caitlin. Um, I am a pastry chef and still a contemporary dancer. Um, I'm currently based in New Orleans and I have, I've started my own business called Lanyat Baking. It is a, a home bakery where I sell assorted pastry boxes um, to local friends and family and anyone in the New Orleans community. And uh, I think we're going to talk mostly about my culinary career here. Um, But to say that I'm so young, I've lived many lives and many um, career ventures. Uh, So before I started with culinary, with pastry, I had a professional dance career. Um, I moved to the Bay Area. Uh, Let's see, let me back up. I... um, I went to undergrad in upstate New York and then moved directly to San Francisco uh, about six years ago (laughs) and uh, lived in San Francisco and Oakland for the past six years. And I'm back home now. I decided to move back home at the beginning of the year to spend time with family. Little did anyone know that COVID would have happened, but I'm so thankful to still be here in New Orleans and to be with my family. Um, but I cultivated back in the Bay Area my dance career. I'm a professional contemporary modern dancer. I still dance, I'm still very active, um, but I found a different route, a different way to express myself and to uh, be artistic. And that is through food, specifically through desserts. And I've worked a few um, hospitality jobs, but then I decided like a lot of people that I'd rather work for myself especially post-COVID and post-quarantine. And right now, um, that's that's working out really well for me. So I'm, I'm enjoying it. That's awesome. Yeah, so as you've alluded to, we will talk a bit, uh, just to lay out for folks where we're going on this journey with, with Caitlin today. So we'll talk a bit about how she got into, and she started to kind of tap into it, how she got into the culinary world. What's it like? Um, as many people may know from watching things like Top Chef and other food network channels that the culinary uh, food world is a very can be a very male-dominated industry. I don't know if there's any difference between pastry chefs versus um, more uh, savory type of chefs, um, if that still holds as equally true, but just kind of understanding her journey there around being a female, especially an African-American female in those spaces. Um, and then also more about ha- her small business. What's it been like um, pretty early on, I think, in your small business stages. Is, so getting that feel and what maybe some of your original expectations were versus some of the realities and then some tips for those looking to get into business for themselves, whether it's food or any other kind of small business venture. And then we'll, of course, make sure she shares all our great social media info so you can stay in tune to all the great content she's putting out. So, yeah, so how, so we go professional dancing. I remember Caitlin's been dancing for as long as I've ever known her, 20 plus years as we date ourselves um, with that. Um, So, so what made the move from 
professional dancing and and to to be clear like you said you are still dancing but more of a your primary focus i think has shifted a bit more towards the culinary and what kind of prompted that yeah um really a lot of the influence was where i was living at the time and uh i think just uh cultural shifts and how people view food and uh the artistic value right in in the culinary world um when I moved to San Francisco, I had I was still dancing. Uh, but I've my, I've always loved eating sweets, and I've always loved science. So just a little bit of a background. Um, I love science. I love you know science and creativity for me go hand in hand. Um, but so I've always been an artist in that way and needed an outlet to express my creativity. So I've been dancing for quite a few years, uh, as you said, for really most of my life. Um, and when I moved to San Francisco, I was getting a lot more into food, eating, eating out a lot more, watching a lot more food network and just food shows and being a lot more intrigued in, in that realm, um, baking a lot more with friends and family. And then I realized one day that like, wow, I can, I can still express myself and do the same thing, but through food and which to me at the time held a lot more value because it's something that you eat around family and friends. And it's like for us growing up in new Orleans, it's uh, food is such a celebratory cultural experience. And I think all of that kind of rained back on me. And I was like, wow, you know, I, I enjoy this so much in so many different aspects. Um, you know, let, let me try it out <laughs> for a little bit and see, see how it goes. So, I started baking a lot and, and my boyfriend, Lino, that, you know, uh, he loves to cook. So he, he cooks and I bake. Um, and I got really into baking really just because it's a lot more science oriented, a lot more exact measurements, right? You can't just go whip up something out of your fridge and, and call it a cake. That's just nearly impossible. You uh, could try, but people do air quotes. People do air quotes, air quotes. <laughs> <laughs> emphasis on the air quotes yeah you can try uh, but unless you know proportions and ratios and like what you're factoring in place um, it's probably not going to turn out so well so I, I got really intrigued with the whole uh, baking realm um, and at the time it was more for fascination than it was for career interest I'd gotten a job as a pastry assistant um, in a contemporary Italian restaurant in Oakland right before I started culinary school. This was like a test to see if I really like what I was doing. I'd been doing a lot of home baking. I got this job at an Italian restaurant and my pastry chef was about the same age as me at the time. And she was just like, yeah, I'll teach you everything that you need to know about working in a restaurant because it's different than working from your home. And I was like, oh, cool. I uh, started working there and I fell in love with it immediately. Um, she taught me so many amazing things and tips. And and I decided from there that I, I wanted to um, venture into this new realm of uh, creativity. So that's where I decided to go to culinary school because I wanted to hone all of my technique and just be able to be in a space where I could learn everything at once and from, you know, some of the best of the best chefs in the world. So I decided to enroll into the Culinary Institute of America at Gracetown, which is in Sonoma County, Napa. So um, I started culinary school 
in January of 2018, and it was um, quite a ride. I think I, at this point now, I think I've already answered your question, <laughs> but I'm just I'm just gonna keep going. No, you want me good. to? No, yeah, I like long form. Don't don't feel okay. the need to edit yourself too much. Also, I think I forgot the original question, which was how did you get into baking? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how you got into the yeah. culinary world. So I think we're still on that journey. That's good. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, so when I, well, so we can back up a little bit too. I'd had this job uh, um, with this contemporary Italian restaurant and I'm working with a pastry assistant. And at this time I knew, okay, I want to bake. This is what I want to do. It's it's precise, it's exact. Um, the outcome is always going to be the same unless you mess something up. And then and then you get to work backwards from there, which is what's great. And you know this too about science is that if you have a final result that is an error, like your cake came out and it fell, you're like, oh, what did I do wrong? Like, what happened? Like, let me reverse engineer this and figure out where I went wrong in all of this. And all of that stuff was so fascinating to me, you know, just like get my gears going in a different kind of way. Uh, so that's why I decided that it was just a, another great way for me to continue learning and continue creating just in a different, in a different uh, realm. Yeah. Awesome. So what are your tips if someone is thinking like, oh, I really love food, whether it's baking more the savory style stuff or what have you, and they're thinking about getting into the world of being a chef and culinary and all that kind of stuff, what, what would you say um, would be a tip for them? Is it shadowing people or kind of what, what are your thoughts there if they're thinking about it? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think that answer, um, has shifted now since we're in this like present slash post COVID era. Right. Cause my mm -hmm. initial answer is like, go work in a restaurant, you know, go stage at a restaurant that you think you'd want to work at when stage is basically like you, uh, get to, intern or you know shadow with with the restaurant for a number of hours or days and you go there and you see if this is really what you want to do because you'll find out quickly enough whether or not you want to be <laughs> in the hospitality industry you know and I'd, I'd worked in the hospitality before so that was not new to me but I'd always worked front of house so I knew how rigorous the kitchen was and how demanding it was mm -hmm. uh but for someone who's really fascinated with food and really interested in cooking or baking or both or what have you, I really would say, you know, just try to get your, get your hands in there and like really in there, like go, go try to work a Saturday night service at mm. a busy restaurant and then decide if that's really what you want to do. Because as much as I love baking and I love working in restaurants, I've even learned over the couple of years that I'm not fit to work service. So I'd rather stay in a position, which is how I've developed, you know, working and working for myself and building my own company, that I love restaurants, I love eating out, I love working at restaurants, but it's not really for me. Um, but if you're starting on your own and you're interested and fascinated by it, do your research, find some names, find more information, just, you know, learn a little bit about what you're getting yourself into. It's a very demanding skill. It's a very demanding industry that requires you to always be attentive, always be on guard and respectful, um, and just always have it together, you know, 
you are um, providing a service for a restaurant that is doing, you know, service for, for guests. You have guests come in and you can't slip at all because that's your name on the line. If you mess up something or if something goes wrong, someone gets sick, God forbid, you know, that's, that's on you at the end of the day. Uh, it's very stressful, but for a lot of people like myself included, that's kind of the thrill of it too. So if that's what you really are excited about doing and those kind of ideas like get you excited and, you know, get your heart pumping, then I'd say, yeah, you know, depending on where you are at your stages in life, if you have had restaurant experience or not, either start working in a restaurant, you know, you're starting from uh, prep cook and you work your way up or you someone like me and just jump right into culinary school. Because for me at the time, I wanted to be able to learn all the techniques at once in a very specific um, way where it wasn't, there was no pressure of, hey, this is for service tonight. So like, don't mess it up. But also like, let me teach you how to make a cake, you know? Um, so it just, you know, any, the, the right choose is specific, you know, for you. And, but um, yeah, I mean, really you have to have the passion for it. Uh, and every place that I've worked at, and I think that's the beauty of the industry, is that I'd say like at least 90% of the people in there were super passionate about it. Either they loved hospitality or they just loved cooking so much that they were in it to win it. That like no matter how stressed they were, no matter what was going on on the other side of that door in their own lives, they were there. They were committed. It was ride or die 110%. You do everything, you get it out, you want to make people happy, you want to make people enjoy the food that you're cooking. And to be able to get that, you know, that sense of relief that like, oh, I've made a beautiful meal, I made someone happy at the end of the night, then that's what you've get that that's what you've got out of it and and that's rewarding. Um, and if that is exciting and if that sounds like a good path, then I think, you know, people should definitely start to 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 go for it. That's definitely good advice, I think, for folks to get a feel for it, really, and seeing what they're in for before they get too deep in the weeds and realize they don't really like it, which is true for many different fields, I think. Yeah, and that happens, too. I mean, and I'll say it for myself, too. It's kind of happened to me that certain restaurant jobs I think I'm fit for, but the ones that I really want to be in are really demanding and they're fine dining and high quality. And as much as I love fine dining, it's it's a little too uh, a little too fast paced and not what what I'm quite ready for right now. So I've learned that about myself. And there's nothing wrong in admitting that at all. Yep. You know, I yep. love to enjoy it. I just don't want to work it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So uh, another aspect to kind of explore, I think, in the world of um, food and culinary is that uh, it tends to be a very male-dominated um, arena. And what has that been like um, as a woman, especially, I don't know if there's any, how much differences that exist, but like in other areas, I would guess there is, being an African-American woman um, in those spaces. How was that? I know you're now more on your own doing your small small business stuff, but when you were working in, in the kind of, like you said, fine dining and, and various actual uh, commercial kitchens and things like that. What was that like? Um, and what are some challenges you ran into and maybe overcame in those in those arenas? Yeah, um, I think 
this question could be an entire episode in itself. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And I'll say first, I've um, recently talked with a good friend of mine on the same topic. Her name is Candice, and she is also a chef. And we worked together in San Francisco before I came back home. She's also a Black female chef, young as well. And she started her own podcast. So here's my plug. It's called Hungry Humble Podcast. And she talks with other female uh, restaurant enthusiasts and chefs and hospitality workers, uh, females, about being in a male-dominated space. So I was on her podcast and we... Honest, I think we had like a three-hour conversation and that wasn't even enough to like scratch the surface of this mm-hmm. topic. So I'll do my best <laughs> to yeah, I've actually water it down. Episodes. I think I saw you mention it oh, on, yeah. your, on, your, um, on your social media. And so I, I checked out a couple. I actually sent her a note. So hopefully she comes back and we'll have her on. Um, I think it would be yeah. really good to talk about her po- podcast. It sounds really awesome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, definitely. She's really got something going, you know. Um, and I was I was really happy to hear that she wanted to do that. I thought it was it's it's a great idea. And this is a great question because it's so prevalent right now, especially mm-hmm. in the past couple of years with what's been happening in the Bay Area. I'm sure you've noticed with a lot of male chefs getting called out for sexual harassment and mm-hmm. everything. And my first job actually that happened at the time that I was there, that the chef got called out for uh sexual harassment wow. at the work. Yeah, and it was uh, it was confusing and like very oof, it was rough to have to go through all of that and have meetings and I left for different reasons, you know. But man, it's being a woman and like you're saying, especially uh, a young black woman. And I'll say that because Candace uh, made it very clear to me. When I started my last job in San Francisco, she and I were the only two black women working in that restaurant. And we were the probably some of the youngest. I think I was one of the older people there uh, in my late 20s. But she looked at me the first night we met each other and she was like, yo, like we're unicorns. And I was like, huh? I was like, yeah, never. (laughs) I'm like. I'm like, yeah, ha, 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 ha. She's like, no, I'm serious. Like, we're unicorns. I was like, what do you mean? And she's like, we're young, we're black, and we're female. When are you ever going to find that in any restaurant, anywhere? And there's two of us here. And I was like, like <laughs> oh, my God. Mind blown. Blown. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yes, it is very rare, uh, especially on the West Coast, maybe more so down here in the South, being back in New Orleans. But how do I feel working in a male dominated space? I, I guess it's the same as if you'd work in any other male dominated space as a woman, it feels uh, a little um, under underwhelming, but the world of pastry uh, is a lot more female oriented in some ways. There are a lot of, famous pastry chefs who are men who have are more celebrity chefs I'd say than anything uh like Duff Goldman or someone like that um even like on the uh the British Bake Off show what's his name um oh who's also been accused of sexual harassment (laughs) oh I did not know that 
Oh my he's, God, what's he, his name? Yeah, man. Uh, it's I'm something seeing. It's Hollywood, Paul Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah, Paul Hollywood. Well, okay, not harassment. He's dated a couple of the uh, people who have been on the show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, you know, so there are there are celebrity male pastry chefs, but most of the pastry world is dominated by females, right? Mm-hmm. You look at who's been cooking desserts in the kitchen historically over the years. It's mothers. It's generational and everything. So. When I started school, especially, I was surprised because all of my pastry chefs were older white men who had had amazing careers, mind you, like work at some of the best restaurants or best hotels who have been all around the world. But I couldn't I couldn't relate and I couldn't give them the same kind of praise that I would have wanted to just because they were men. And I'd had one teacher the entire time of my two-year program who was a female who left actually because they didn't offer her another full year of teaching um she was amazing and Mm. you know she studied in france for years and you know just uh, but it's difficult it's really difficult uh i'm not gonna make it light at all It, it is and i think the point of being an African-American woman on top of that doesn't make it any easier. I'm already, you know, stressed about having to work a lot harder just to prove myself to people that don't really care about me in the first place. Mm. Um, But I guess the fact of saying that I'm there working in the restaurant speaks volumes alone Mm -hmm. because I've worked in fine dining restaurants. So a little bit of background. I started school in January of 2018. And then at the end of 2018, I interned in Copenhagen at a Michelin star restaurant that focuses on new Nordic cuisine. And while I was an intern there, I was one of three women in the kitchen. Uh, The other was an intern and then another woman was a CDP. She was a a chef to party. So she had a little bit of status, but myself and the other intern would always just like, you know, gossip about whatever the guy said in conversation. And I remember one day we were all, uh, helping out the chefs on the hot station cut. We were cutting pigeons, plucking and like. That's <laughs> cutting a pigeon. <laughs> choppy, choppy. Mind you, it's like one in the morning. It's like the end of the night. We all want to go home. We need to help them out for the next day. It's just, you know, a thing you do. Mm-hmm. And they're over here talking. I'm not going to repeat what they said, but just great. Just what's the word disrespecting women on Mm. such a disgusting level. And I'm in Copenhagen. Uh, Most of the chefs there were either Danish or from other countries in Europe. And I I don't care about culture at that point. I care about gender and just like not being an asshole. Sorry (laughs) to say that, but I called him out and I, I was like, what is happening right now? I was like, first of all, I'm tired. <laughs> Second of all, like whatever this conversation is, like it has to stop right now. I'm frustrated. This is awful. Do you hear what you're saying? First of all, like, do you know that we're right here? We can right. hear what you're saying. You're over here, like discreeting women and just like saying awful things. I was like, please don't ever say this in front of me again. I don't care if you have to fire me or whatever. Just like, please do not ever say this. This is so disrespectful. And they're just like, hmm. Okay, heard you. Yeah, whatever, whatever. Next day, 
quiet, like everyone avoids me at work. I would have gotten fired if I wasn't an intern, but they needed me. Um, you know, but at that moment, I'd, I was glad that I'd spoken up and it was the only time in a job where I'd ever spoken up because I was an intern. So I felt like I could have done that. Well, look, <laughs> I'm only here for this amount of time and I'll peace out. Yeah. So might as well, you're going to catch these words. You're going to catch this. Exactly. I mean, I think I made a difference. So they, they definitely remembered me, you know, but I'm glad <laughs> I said something. No, it's important. It was disgusting, you know, just the workplace mm -hmm. and, and moving yeah. forward from there. So then I'd gotten a job in a restaurant in San Francisco. Same kind of thing. You know, my, my boss was a female chef, a female pastry chef, who it took a long time to earn her trust, but she wasn't the top of the line, right? So who I really reported to, those chefs didn't care about me at all yelled at me to my face, like, you know, called me into the office for some ridiculous things that were surely accidents on my behalf, but could have been handled in a much lighter sense. And had I not been a woman or a black woman at that, it would not have been the same like reprimand that someone else would have gotten for that same error, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's very difficult. It's like, it's like you're in the same room as that person and you have the same ideas and you have the same concepts and no one listens to what you have to say about it. I could have literally said, like, we're at a meeting about, you know, let's talk about what's on the new menu for next week. And I'm like, hey, why don't we do like a pumpkin cheesecake? And they're like, oh, whatever. And then the guy's like, hey, well, we should do a pumpkin cheesecake. And you're like, oh, my God, that's genius. I would have never thought of that. And you're like, dude, I'm over here the whole I just, time. I just said that. Stop repeating. Yeah. Unfortunately, that exists in every, I think, most industries as well, unfortunately. It is changing, but but not at a snail's pace, you know, so. I feel like it's very much at the pace of a lot of other industries that men are being called out for their disrespectful actions, but are they changing their, you know, how they work in the kitchen? Not necessarily. Are they understanding? Yes, they understand. They sympathize. They like try to relate or at least like be on the same level in some sort, but it's not going to change like, oh, this is a man's job. You know, we have to like, because a lot of cooking and working in a restaurant is heavy lifting and like moving stuff and prepping. And that's not a man's job. I'm strong. I can do that too, you know, but just all of that, you know, those stereotypes that come with that. Yeah. So I'm over here showing like, well, I can do the same thing. I can lift these, you know, these boxes, like 50 pound boxes up and down stairs. That's no problem, you know, and and killing myself. But it, once I learned that I didn't need to show off to a man just to get some respect and to earn my place in this industry, uh, which was really like, you know, when all of like COVID started to happen and not working for a long period of time was when I decided that it just wasn't when I realized that it just, it wasn't worth my effort and my time. And I think that was also one of the big reasons why I decided to just sort of venture off and do my own thing. Yeah, so so you're in the restaurants business and you're doing it and you're like, you know, bump these people. So what made you go home? Like what brought you home versus, you know, maybe trying to do your own thing in the Bay Area? My guess is probably cost of living is a factor because um, life, life on life's terms. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so what kind of brought you into the small business space? How's that going? Um what are you liking about it? What are you like wanting to pull your hair out kind of, and any tips in that space for folks? 
Yeah, um, a couple of things that prompted my move. Uh, I graduated culinary school at the end of or September of 2019, <clears throat> so a year and some change ago. And I had no intention of getting the job that I'd gotten right out of school. I actually went to stage there just for fun. Um, and I got a job. I got hired. And so I was like, oh, okay, well, you know, I'll, I'll work here. But just so you know, like I'm planning on moving, you know, sometime around the beginning of next year. I'm like, oh, okay, that's fine. Um, I actually love that job. And I regret not staying there because I would have just stayed through, you know, when everything shut down and I would have gotten a little bit more out of it versus like leaving so abruptly. But I wanted to take some time to uh, quote unquote rest. I hadn't really rested in a very long time from school and previous work before that. So I thought it was like a good time in my career to absorb everything that I learned in the past couple of years and be able to just like chill in New Orleans and mostly spend time with family uh, at the time. My grandma passed off a couple of weeks ago, but she'd been very ill for some time. So I know I wanted to spend time with her and see family uh, and had no intention of any of this coinciding with COVID, but I decided to move home at the beginning of the year. And I'm really grateful that I did. Mm -hmm. um, mostly because I got to at least experience a little bit of New Orleans before the shutdown. Uh, but so, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> on, on the timeline, uh, you know, March. Oh, let's back up on the timeline. I moved home in January. I decided to get a, a small part time job being a bread baker uh, at a bakery out here, which was really fun. Only that it was like a 4 a.m. shift. And that was pretty awful. Mm, yeah <laughs> I mean that's you know that's that's the life of bakers especially bread bakers so that happened I lost my job obviously and COVID happened quarantine happened I'm twitching my uh, twi twiddling my thumbs um, eager to do something I start baking for family and friends for like Valerie and Gerald actually mm. um, and bringing family and friends just sweets that I wanted to make and one day I was talking to a friend about just like venturing out and I was like, hey, I think I want to like try this thing out where I just make a box of treats and sell it. And this is when a whole bunch of pop-ups were starting to happen just because people were also just as antsy as I was. You know, because when you work in hospitality, like there's never a dull moment, like you can't actually stop and like smell the roses. So I was like, I got to keep going. I got to just keep moving, mm -hmm. you know, so I had to do something and. And that's kind of where Lanyap started. It started as another business name that I will not name because I did not like the name at the time. But I started off selling an assorted box of pastries to close family and friends. That went over well. Took a little bit of a break. Reinvented the menu. And with the help of my boyfriend, we decided to like really push this to be a small business. So I got a website. I got an order, an official like ordering system. I got an Instagram and I just like pushed it. So now I do like small batch assorted pastry boxes and occasionally special order cakes. I don't advertise that part, but I do it. And really, if someone were to come to me and be like, hey, can I have like, you know, a dozen macarons? I'd probably do that too, you know. Um, but really with the intention of this business is, 
a chance for me to do a little bit of R&D while I'm working. So it's I, I change the menu like almost every week to a certain degree. And it's really just whatever I want to do that week, uh, whatever's in season, whatever I've prepped. If I've like, for example, I pickled peaches about a month and a half ago and they're ready now. So that's been on the menu, stuff like that. Um, it varies with whatever my mood is, you know, but I just try to offer a variety, something savory that's still a pastry or a dessert. And then a few other components that make this box whole for a minute while the UPS was going, excuse me, while USPS was going down the dumps, I, um, which is all where you actually ordered cookies from. I decided Mm. to support USPS. Uh, Well, actually, okay. Sorry. You order cookies from me that prompted me to want to support USPS. That's what I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been shipping cookies to support USPS for a minute, which kind of seemed counterintuitive. I don't think it was really supporting. It was just for fun. And uh, since then, I have just really kept consistently with these pastry boxes. Um, also, I have a friend of mine who is a culinary chef who also has an amazing resume of places that he's worked at. And he has a pop-up selling Senegalese um, Creole cuisine. And we work together. So he does the culinary. I do the pastry. And then my boyfriend manages both of us, essentially. So we're this little like pyramid. And um, we're working through the end of the year. He's doing a lot of collaborations with other restaurants. And I'll be tagging on every now and then doing the pastries for that whether it's like an outdoor dinner with like plated desserts. So I get to do like a plated dessert meal, more of like a fine dining meal nice. or I've been, yeah, I've been running a couple other desserts on his menu that have been really successful. So kind of jumping in different, um, in different pots and trying to keep myself busy, but not too busy. And I just, I told myself in the beginning that the moment that it, it gets to be too stressful, I don't stop, but I just get, take it back a little bit. So I don't want it to be stressful. I want it to only be fun because that was the original intention. Um, I had no intention of actually starting a small business, mind you. This was honestly just for fun. I needed something to do, and I'm really happy with the outcome of it. I've always wanted to be you know, my own boss and be an entrepreneur anyway, so this just kind of got that gear going. And... Uh, it's it's been what four to five months now uh, since I've really technically started this business, and it's it's been amazing. I've gotten a lot of great feedback from people, a lot of support from the local community. Everyone here is so amazing and so giving and loving and accepting of whatever it is that I do, be it good or bad or <laughs> whatever it is. Um, and I'm excited to see what's going to happen with it. I do intend to move to Los Angeles next year. And I want to take the business with me however I can. Um, I don't think the word like land yap really carries over anywhere else in the world. So maybe that will switch. But I don't you know. never know. It might work you out. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what's happened, you know. Has it been quite what you expected? Are, are you excited to continue it? Or or how how do you feel 
overall. I think it sounds like things are going well and, and a lot of growth potential there. What's probably the most challenging thing you've uh, you've come across in, in doing your own small business? Yeah, um, to answer your first couple of questions, it's like a yes and no to both. It has been like both challenging and difficult, um, but it's also very rewarding. I didn't expect it to grow this much. So I think the demand, like meeting the demand is very difficult. Since I'm only doing small batch, I can't promise like that many boxes. I I only do them twice a week and I do about 10 to 12 boxes at a time each day. So roughly 20 to like 25 boxes a week, um, which is not that much. I could be doing a lot more, but just wasn't expecting the response to be so positive. <laughs> I think that's me like just, you know, not speaking highly about myself, but especially after all of the Black Lives Matter movements and a lot of people wanting to support small businesses, especially Black-owned businesses. I got a lot of uh, response from that and a lot of extra support. And as amazing as that's been, it's also been a little stressful for me. I don't respond to stress very well. So trying to keep up with what everybody wants and what everyone's looking for is difficult. But I think the most demanding part is just wearing multiple hats i take care of my social media i do all of the things online to make sure the orders are up on time and i am prepping and making all of the food myself for right now because i can't justify hiring someone maybe like a friend come and help every now and then but that hasn't happened yet i just i'm I take too much pride in my work and it's too difficult to ask someone to help me when the menu is changing every week like that, you know? Um, but I honestly, the most difficult part is just having the transition between kitchen and office work so much that you, <clears throat> as much as I try to organize when I'm going to do those things, it just, it never really works out, you know, and you're running everything out of your house it's just you're comfortable in your kitchen. You might want to watch a show or like come and do laundry. And uh, it's taken me these few months, but I really like honed my schedule so that uh, I'm in the kitchen between this time and this time. And if I'm not in the kitchen, I'm not, I'm not in the kitchen. Like I That's do good. not go. Yeah. And not even to cook. Like I don't cook at all anymore. <laughs> like I just, <laughs> I, I, I'm not in the kitchen. Um, and you know, when I'm in there, I'm focused, I get everything done that I need to get done. And then I also, you know, do that same thing for office work. So I come and I sit on my computer for a few hours and I get everything done. And so as if I'm working, you know, at a restaurant or somewhere else, I, to take this concept of working from home and really amplify it in that way has been super helpful to really stay on schedule. It's so difficult. I still have a lot of error in my ways. I accidentally forgot to set the orders for Thursday. So everyone thought they were picking up for Saturday. So like things like that happen, you know, and it's just inevitable, but people are super forgiving and understandable when things like that do happen. Mm -hmm. And I try to respond to that in the best way that I can um, and not upset any more people. But yeah, uh, it's, it's a crazy whirlwind, but I I love it and I also don't love it. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> it's a lot. I spoke with um 
I spoke with a masseuse yesterday who recently became an independent um, massage therapist. And we were just like talking about the same kind of things. She's just like, how do you have time? And I was like, I don't have any time. I was like, time is just like a concept of the past. (laughs) I mean, like, thank goodness right now, like I'm not married with kids. Cause like if I had children, like that'd be a whole nother thing, Mm -hmm. you know, like, man, I feel for moms who have to who have to work and like are responsible for like having their kids stay focused in school. That's a tangent. I don't want to go down, but you know, I'll I'll say that, but it could be a lot worse or it could be a lot more difficult right now, but it's, I'm trying to manage it. Awesome. Well, this has been really good and enlightening. And I think a lot of good information for people who are interested in whether going into business for themselves, for their variety of different um, different backgrounds and different options of business. And then also those specifically interested in the pastry culinary world. I think a lot of great advice and information. So thank you so much, Kaylee. I had to get one in there. Um, Perfect. Um, it's been really great. So I don't know if there's any like social media you want to plug, any upcoming events or panels or anything like that that you got going on that you want to promote. This is your time. Yeah. Um, first, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I'm very excited and I uh, I love talking about myself. So it's, <laughs> it's great to get a place to do that. And I really hope that, you know, a lot of people can relate and understand, you know, what we're all going through and not just in the, in this industry, but in any industry, working as a woman, working as a, a, a black woman or a black um, human in a space and having to overcome all of these boundaries is just something we're learning how to do over time. Uh, my plug, you can find me on Instagram. That is the only uh, social media that my business has right now. It's Lanyap Baking, L-A-G-N-I-A-P-P-E Baking. Lanyap is a French Creole term for like a little something extra, like a little a little gift. That's where that name derived from. Uh, my website is also the same. It's lanyapbaking.com. I currently am selling my pastry boxes every Thursday and Saturday, only in New Orleans. So if you are in the... New Orleans uh, Parish, or excuse me, Orleans Parish, or uh, surrounding area, you can come not find me. Um, I also am working with Dakar Nola, that's D-A-K-A-R Nola, Senegalese pop-up, and uh, Chef Serene is doing a few pop-ups with restaurants through the end of the year that I will be tagging on to a few of those. So next week, we're working with Margie's Grill, and I'm making a whole bunch of moringa cheesecake for that and then in the coming months i'll be doing a few other pop-ups with him where i'll be doing some other sit down so the best place is to find me on instagram and then you'll see all that information about the future events that are uh, coming up and i think that's all i have for now yeah Awesome. And I'll be sure to link those in the show notes so people can find you both your Instagram website and then the the Carnola as well. Um, Yeah. So people can connect. Well, thanks again, Caitlin, for joining me. This has been so fun. And thanks for thanks for joining. 
Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited about all of this. And I wish you the best of luck with the rest of the Victory podcast. Thanks. I can't wait to hear future episodes. Thanks again to Caitlin for sitting down and chatting with me. Uh, it was really great to talk to her. And we, I think we talked on a lot of great topics. Um, once again, thanks for listening. Please feel free to share this podcast with your friends, family, and even your enemies. You can find us on uh, most of the major social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at The Victory Pod. If you're looking for how to subscribe or how to share your subscription with other people, go to our website at thevictorypodcast.com. There's a tab on there of where to listen and you can find all the places that were found and it'll take you right to the page to subscribe. Thanks so much for listening and I'll sign off this episode like I do every episode. Every problem has a solution. It's whether you're willing to do the work to find it. Let's do the work and be victorious.